Well, last week we began this mini-series, Look Ahead, with the idea of looking ahead with vision for your life. That vision is a picture of what could be and what should be and what would be a reality if you give it everything that you've got this year. And we said the beauty of vision is it provides you with a target to aim your life toward. It helps you prioritize. It helps you make better decisions. And it helps you know when to say no. And so last week I challenged you that in 2023 you need to look ahead with vision for your life, of who you want to be and what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and what you want to experience this year. And I gave you three questions to help you as you figured out what that vision just might be. As you ask God, what is it that you would have for me? What is it that you see for me? What is it that you want as you look ahead into my year? Number one is what breaks your heart? Number two is what is it that you really want? And number three is what is the great work that deserves everything you've got this year? So. Last week, we talked about that on a personal level. What's your vision for your life in 2023? And today, I want to look ahead with vision for our church this year. And as we do that, I've just got to be honest. I have to apologize for something that I know I've been guilty of in the last three years. And I think a lot of us pastors have actually been guilty about of this over the last three years. But I know that I have been, so I'm going to start with me. I have not been leading with vision the way I'm supposed to for the last three years. And I am sorry for that. I am sorry for that. When COVID hit in March of 2020, so many of us understandably went into survival mode. Like, how do we survive? How do we keep things going? We lost, our, we lost the use of our facility and any facility for six months. How do you survive that? As virtually every church is kind of still dealing with attendance being like 60% of pre-COVID attendance, everyone has less people around, less volunteers around, sometimes less staff around to accomplish what we all hoped to accomplish before. So how do we survive that? And then with the nature of, of COVID for a big chunk of time, you know, if someone got sick, they had to kind of quarantine and miss for a stretch of time. So there were some Sundays you know, where you find out on a Friday or a Saturday that you're going to be without a, key, a, a large number of volunteers or some key leaders in certain parts of sometimes even staff that we were counting on. It was like, okay, well, we'll figure out how to make this weekend work and then we'll move on to the next week. And we kind of turned this into a joke over time, but we really put the move into Movement Church because even as we got back to having in-person services, the reality for us as a church was for like 18 months was that at, at any point, you know, our, the hotel that we were using could move us out and we would have to figure out a very short notice plan to have service that week. And so here's the tension that I felt. Like I'm a pretty natural look ahead guy. Uh, like just naturally, that's kind of my, my bent. But at the same time, I was like, well, how do you challenge us to look ahead? How do I challenge us as a church to look ahead and do the things that we need to do to make that look ahead a reality when week to week is so unpredictable? And how can I look ahead when we're so busy keeping so many plates spinning? So all of that to say, I am sorry that as a pastor and as the leader of this church that I have not led with vision in the right way or led with the right amount of vision for the last three years as, as a pastor. I, I don't think I've done a, a great job of leading with vision recently. And all of that to say, today it is time to stop existing and surviving, and it's time for our church to look ahead with vision of what could, could be and should be in our church and through our church in our city and what God willing and what by God's grace will be the reality for our church in this year. So to talk about where we're going this year, we actually have to go back to the beginning. From the beginning, 
Movement Church has existed to create a church that unchurched people love to attend, to not just be another church, but to be a different kind of church altogether, dedicated to helping people who have walked away from church or who have never engaged with church in the past to help these people take a first step toward Jesus by creating environments within the church that make it easy and simple and attractive to begin following Jesus. One thing that we believed about our church and the need for a church like ours in our city from the very beginning is that there are a lot of good churches here in Crucis. And they're great churches if you've always been around that church. But what we wanted to do uniquely with movement is to create a place that is great for people who haven't been around church in a while or who haven't been around church ever or who have moved to a new community and are trying to step into a new body of Christ to take the timeless gospel truth and the timeless life-changing principles found in the word of God and make sure they stay accessible and applicable to someone even if they haven't been around in a while or maybe if they haven't been around ever, that church should be friendly and warm for people who have been around and have relational depth, and it should be also friendly for people and warm for people who haven't, who we, who we don't know yet. That people who have been around for a long time um, should know that God has a purpose for their lives and lovingly cares for them as they pursue Him. And people who haven't been around in a long time should know that God has a purpose for their lives and lovingly cares for them as they look to Him. This is why I say so often that if you're new, our church exists for you. It's something I say almost every week in person. I don't know that I say it enough online, but if you're new, our church exists for you because we do. We always have. So let me be really clear about who Movement Church exists for. Our church exists for new people. It also exists for you if you've been a part of our church for a long time. But we need to make sure that we always keep in mind that our church exists for new people. New people who have been away from church for a year. New people who have been away from church for a decade. New people who have never been a part of a church before but are, but are desperate enough and looking for enough and, and, have, and have exhausted all of the options and found out that anything else in life is unfulfilling and they're looking for something to find fulfillment and they're looking to the church and saying, maybe, just maybe, they have some answers. Um, new people who are new to town, new people who have been around Crucis their whole lives, new people who are Republicans and new people who are Democrats, new people who are college students, new people who are married and have kids, new people who are single and have kids, new people who are single and look to mingle, new people who are single and don't want to mingle, new people who are married, new people who are divorced, new people with questions, new people who think they have all the answers, new people who are empty nesters, and new people who wish the nest would have emptied a long time ago, new people who are any and every shade of melanin, new people whose hair is any color of the rainbow, and even if their hair has lost all the colors of the, of the rainbow. And the great news here in 2023 is that you know someone who fits one of those descriptions. They're not in church yet. They're not new to church yet, but you know someone who fits one of those descriptions who should be in church. So in case you need me to be abundantly clear, in case you need me to be abundantly clear, a huge part of why movement exists is for you to bring someone new and help them get connected to the God who loves them, get connected to God's truth that can change their life, get them connected to a community that will lovingly accept and 
graciously challenge them and then connect it, get them connected to a purpose that is beyond them. And when I say that and think about that happening in the life of one person or dozens of people this next year, man, that is exciting. And I think that's worth giving everything we've got to make that a reality. To use Nehemiah's words that we looked at last week, that just might be the important work and we cannot and will not stop to see new people, to see people come back to faith, to see people come back to church and find purpose and find community and find truth and find life change and to find ultimately the Savior who loves them so much that he would die for them. That is worth giving everything we've got to this year. And now if there's anything in you that goes, okay, but come on, like, The church should primarily be focused on helping people inside it grow and have deeper faith and stronger community. Like, I just want to say, I I get that. And we believe in growing all of those things too. We believe in growing community. We believe in growing faith. We believe in growing a wisdom and knowledge around the word of God. We believe in all of that. But I also believe that we grow and have deeper faith and stronger community and a larger sense of purpose when we are focused not solely on ourselves, but focused on bringing other people along for the ride. Let me give you two quotes on why I believe that and then jump to what Jesus said during his time on earth. William Temple, the 18th century English theologian and the arch, an archbishop in, in England, said this, the church is the only society that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are still outside of it. In other words, when the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, it's not ultimately about what's happening inside the church, but it's existing to look outside the church and make sure that that we connect people who have not yet connected to a loving God who cares for them and has purpose for them and has plans for their lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this in letters and, and papers from prison. He said, the church is the church only, only when it exists for others not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. To sum up their thoughts, the church is at its best when the church isn't all about itself, but is making sure that we're living our lives every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of our lives and organizing our church and making sure that our church has a focus outside of the walls of our church and doing things in such a way that we bring others along on the journey of faith and the journey of finding Jesus. Now, this meshes exactly with three different things that Jesus said, taught, and prayed that were recorded in Matthew's account of Jesus's life and ministry. In Matthew chapter five, in the beginning, early stages of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16, Jesus is recorded as saying this, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, this was not an identity or command given to a single person. Like if you're a single person sitting on a couch right now or sitting in your living room right now, what's interesting about this is so many of the times we say this and we read this and we teach this and say, you are the light of the world. This was not... This was not primarily a command given to a single person or an identity given to one person or one family. This was a collective identity and a collective command. This is something Jesus said to a group and to a community, to those who were following him at large, to those who were in the community of Jesus' followers. This is a collective identity. We together, we together are the light of the world. The church is the light of the world. You, are you, the church, are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light, church, let your light shine before others 
so that they may see your good works, so that they may see the good works of the church, and because of that, give glory to your Father in heaven. Again, this is a teaching from Jesus and a command from Jesus to his followers. This is not a suggestion. This is a collective command. We, as a community of Jesus followers, we are to let our light shine to the world around us, to the people around us, so that, they, when, so that when they see our goodness, when they see our excellence, when they see our best energy, when they see our best resources, when they see our generosity, and, when they, and they know that we do it out of a love for God, they will, they will equate the goodness of us with the goodness of God. This is why we serve. This is why we're generous around our community. This is why we're loving to our neighbors because Jesus has told us that we are to be the light of the world and we're supposed to be the light of the world so that when they see our goodness, they will know it comes because of the goodness of God. We do these things so that people can see the goodness of God through our actions, through our love, through our service, and through our generosity. This is why we serve. This is why we love our community. This is why we support food distribution places and pregnancy centers. We want to let our community know that the church is generous. And when they see the church's generosity, we hope they equate it with the generosity of a God who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. This is why we serve our community so that people see the service of Jesus' followers and are reminded of the servant nature of the son of God. We together are the light of the world, shining to the world around us so that they will see the goodness of God through the church. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. This is important for us to know. Jesus sees the crowd of people who are disconnected from God, who are disconnected from the religious places, who are disconnected from the temple, who don't know, the, who don't know God, who don't know the word of God, who don't know the scriptures, who don't know how to apply these things in their everyday lives, who are, who are poor, dejected, and broken in, in, in the course of life. This broke Jesus's heart. Jesus didn't judge and condemn people for being lost and wandering, but Jesus did accurately see the condition and his heart was broken with compassion because he knew people were lost and distressed and desperate. That was true 2,000 years ago. And I think if Jesus were to walk the streets of our cities today, I think Jesus' heart would be broken all over again. When he looks at people and sees the brokenness of their heart and the brokenness of their lives and the poverty of their spirit, not just the poverty of, 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 of wallets, but the poverty of spirit and, and, and the depression and the anxiety that we live in in our modern world because we've not found fulfillment in the one who can offer us fulfillment. Jesus would see people walking our streets, walking our Walmarts, walking our neighborhoods, driving in cars up and down the streets of our, of our town, and he his heart will be broken all over again because he accurately sees the brokenness of our lives. Seeing people who had given up on God because they were convinced that God had given up on them. Seeing people who were convinced they weren't welcome in the presence of God because when they showed up at church, they, were, they sure weren't welcome there. Seeing people who stay at home on a Sunday because they're convinced they don't belong in any church. Jesus knew these people wanted to know God, wanted to experience real community, wanted to participate in something with lasting purpose, that there was a deep longing in their heart for something of eternal value and for whatever reason they hadn't found it yet. And the fact that they hadn't found it yet and they were broken because they hadn't found it yet broke Jesus's heart. He was filled with compassion because he knew their need. And then he said to his disciples, 
out of the brokenness of his heart, he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. In other words, there's a lot of people who want to know Jesus, but there's not enough people going out sharing the love of Jesus. The workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. In other words, Jesus believed these were people who belonged to God and needed someone to go reconnect them to God, bring them back to God, let them know they were welcomed in the presence of God, let them know they had a place and they belonged in the presence of a loving God. Jesus said, these are his harvest. Would you pray to him that he'll continue to send workers out to bring in his harvest? Harvest And the amazing thing that we have the opportunity every single week, every single month, as long as our church exists, is we can be the answer to Jesus's prayer for workers in the harvest. We can be the answer to Jesus's prayer for workers in the harvest. In 2023, in our city, online, wherever we go, we have the opportunity to help someone who doesn't know Jesus come to know Jesus or come a step closer to knowing Jesus with our love, with our compassion, with our boldness, with our willingness to be used by God, with our service, with our action, with our generosity, with our time, and with our willingness to listen. And with, yes, our excellence on a Sunday morning, we have a daily opportunity to be the answer to Jesus's prayer. Isn't this amazing to think? You could be the answer to Jesus's prayer for workers in the harvest in Las Cruces in 2023. That you, you're like, I don't have a call to ministry. Yes, you absolutely do. You're a Jesus's you're a Jesus follower. You are called in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your kids' soccer programs, in your kids' basketball program, in your kids' vault. I mean, whatever your kids are doing, wherever you go at their reading things, at wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whoever you are, you have a call to ministry because Jesus prayed that God would send workers into his harvest and he has sent you into the harvest in Las Cruces or wherever you live in 2023. And finally, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection and immediately before he ascended to heaven in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of just a few nations. No, that's not what it says, right? You're like, that, that didn't even sound right. I don't know the Bible, but that sounded wrong. You're right. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go there and go therefore and make disciples and make disciples of all nations. The last thing that Jesus said to his followers was to do was go and make disciples. Go, leave the comfort of your home, leave the comfort of your couch, leave the comfort of your existing church relationships. Go and make disciples and bring people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to get connected to community and to find purpose and to use their gifts and talents so that someone else through them can go and know Jesus because of them. Go and make disciples. Whenever you go, wherever you go, spread the good news and the love of Jesus to a world that's truly desperate for it. And I love this. Jesus says, remember, I am with you always. I am with you always. And that's a wonderful promise. But in the context, connected to this command that precedes it, it is almost like Jesus' promise is that he'll be with us always so long as we are always working to introduce people to Jesus. He says, go therefore and make disciples and I will be with you always. If you want to know that God is with you in 2023, 
you be active in making sure that people who don't know Jesus have an opportunity to know Jesus because of you. We want people to come to know Jesus. We want people who are lost, who are broken, who don't know that they're lost, who don't know that they're broken, people who are desperate but don't know that they're desperate, people who have tried everything and found no fulfillment, people who are sitting at home on Sundays, people who are disconnected from community. We want people to come to know Jesus because of our love, because of our generosity, because of our service, because of our willingness to listen, because of our willingness to be a genuine friend, and because because of our willingness to put everything that we've got into creating a great experience for them on a Sunday morning where they can come and experience the presence of God where they are welcomed and where they ultimately belong. We want people because of our church to, and because of you to come to know Jesus in 2023. That's what we're all about. That's what we're going to do this year. And that's what, by the grace of God, is going to happen in the lives of people that you know, people that you care about, members of your family, people that you work with, people that your kids go to school with, people that live in your neighborhood. That's going to happen, that people who don't know Jesus are going to come to know Jesus in 2023. Now, the question is, how does that happen? How does that happen? In our church, we use these two, these two words a lot, invest and invite, invest and invite, invest, invite. Would you say invest wherever you are on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three, invest. Would you say invite on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three, invite. We invest and we invite. We invest in a couple ways. We invest in creating a place worth inviting to. Now, this if you're part of our online community, this may not be something that you actually get, get to be a huge part of because what we're ultimately talking is we serve in a way that helps people get connected to God. But I'll tell you this, if you're part of our online community, we need people to host our online services so that people who are connecting with God through our online services know that there's a person on the other side of that chat, on the other side of our screens, on the other side of their screen, who is ready to pray for them, willing to listen to them, ready to care for them because people will check us out online before they set foot in our church a lot of times. We also invest in creating a place worth inviting to by our generosity, by, by our financial generosity to the church. It allows us to keep creating excellent environments where the lighting is right and where the sound is good and where we have every bit of equipment and lighting and video stuff and all the chairs where we need to create great, 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 great environments for people's kids. We, 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 we invest in creating a place worth inviting to. We invest in building real friendships with people who don't know Jesus. That if there's someone at your workplace, if there's someone at your kids' school, if there's someone at, at, at the school that you're at, if, if there's somewhere, someone that you know who doesn't know Jesus, one of the best things that you can do is not just be simply a person who sits in the cubicle next door and, and, and sits across the table where they eat lunch, and sometimes you guys end up at going out lunch together, but you actually build a real friendship and you become someone that they can genuinely trust someone that they may actually look to, someone that they may rely on, someone who speaks the truth, someone who, someone who, someone who is, is reliable, someone who's dependable, someone who always tells the truth so that they know you're never lying. And so that when you speak the truth and you say, hey, you should come to church with me, you'll love my church. They'll know that you're speaking the truth about that as well. You invest in building real friendships with people who don't know Jesus in your neighborhood, for your neighbors who don't attend a church. In our, in our, you know, in our city, we've used this stat, and I'm sure it's worse by now, but when we started our church, there was 90% of our community did not regularly attend church on a Sunday. I'm sure right now that number is more like 95%, which means if you live on a street or if you live in a neighborhood where there's 100 homes, 
95% of those homes have people who don't regularly go to church, which means in your neighborhood, as you're loving, as you're generous, as you're kind in your neighborhood, as you're a person who your neighbors have their have have your phone number so that they can call you if something goes wrong, if they lose power, if they need sugar, if they need someone to watch their kids for a little bit. If you do that, I'm just telling you, that kind of service, that kind of generosity of spirit, that kind of love will draw people to Jesus. Number three is we invest in building trust with our community. We serve our community well. We serve our our food distributions. We serve in pregnancy centers. We're generous towards them so that people in in our community, whether they know anything else about our church, they know that's a place that serves, that's a place that loves, and that's a place that wants to take care of people at the worst moments of their lives. We invest in building trust within our community, and we invest in building a reputation, meaning I want our church to be the first place someone thinks about when they want someone they know to be introduced to Jesus. Like, they have a church they go to, but they know, hey, if, they, if, if, they, if someone that doesn't know Jesus comes to my church, they might not, like, I mean, they, I'm not sure about that. But I know if I send them to Movement Church, they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to fall in love with Jesus. There's going to be warm people who welcome them. And there's going to be people who help them engage the gospel wherever they're from. Those are some of the ways that we invest. If you're going like, how do we invest in those things? You invest in in creating a place worth inviting to and in building real friendships with people who don't know Jesus. You invest in building trust with our community. You invest in building a reputation by your time, by your energy, by your finances, by your attitude, by your words, and by your service. And oh yes, by your love because they will know we are Jesus' followers first and foremost by our love. We invest our time, energy, finances, attitudes, word service, all because of our love love. So we invest and then we invite. We invest and we invite. Who do you invite? If they're not in church somewhere else, that's who you invite. You're like, that's a pretty broad thing. We are a pretty broad audience church. If they're not in church somewhere else, that's who we invite. We don't play musical chairs, church edition. We're not looking to reach the people who are already connected to Jesus in some other church. We're looking to find people who need to know Jesus and may just find him through our church. If they're not connected with some, with some other church, if they're not regularly attending some other church, that's who you invite, which means that's 90% of our community at least that may be 95% of our community that's not in church on a regular basis. That's who you invite. That's who you invite. And when do you invite? I just want to let you know, this time of year, January is a fantastic time to uh, in the calendar to invite people because people are starting new resolutions and setting new goals and thinking about new things that maybe they haven't tried in a long time, but they're willing to try once again. Another great time is at the start of a new series. We're beginning a brand new series next week, and I would love to encourage you, whether it's online or whether it's in person, make sure that you're sharing it if you're online. Make sure that you're bringing someone with you if you're in person. Holidays and big days, days like Christmas, days like Easter, which is only a few months away, be starting to think and pray about who you're going to be inviting to Easter. These are times when people will naturally go somewhere, but we want them to end up in the right somewhere, which is a place that's designed with them in mind and speak language about where they are that connects with their heart to help them know that there's a God who loves them where they are, but doesn't want to leave them where they are. And then finally, when it, when it comes to when do we invite, when do we invite, I think there's three knots that we should pay attention to. If you're in a conversation with someone and they use one of these three things where they say, oh, you know, we weren't not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, we were, you know, like whatever it is. 
These three knots, I think, are great cues that when you hear one of these, our natural response would be like, well, you should come to church with me, okay? First one is simply this. If they're not from here, they're new in the area. Well, here we go. Have you found a church yet? You haven't found a church yet? You should come to church with me. If, if someone is, is new in the area, you say, you're like, oh, I'm not from here. Oh, that's great. You're new in the area. Welcome to the area. Have you found a church yet? If you haven't found a church yet, you should come to church with me. You can even lie. Everyone here goes to church. You should, you know, you got If you're going to be part of our community, you got to, you got to go to church somewhere. You should come to church with me. They'll figure out that people don't actually go to church. It'll be great. Your pastor just told you to lie. It's wonderful. If they're not from here, that's a cue that you should bring up church and you should invite someone to church. If they're not, if they mention that they're not in church, if you're having a conversation with them, they say, oh, it's been a lot. You're talking about what you were at in church or you're out, out for lunch afterwards. They say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not in church. They're talking about it because they know they should be in church. The fact that they bring up that they're not in church is a signal, should be a signal to you and a cue to you that you should invite them to church. Maybe they were, you know, someone spoke negatively to them. Someone drove them away from church. Someone treated them poorly in church and they haven't stepped foot in, church, in any church in a long time because of that. Maybe, just maybe, a person who's being nice that they're opening up to and saying like, oh yeah, I'm not in church. It's been a while since I've been in church. I haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe, just maybe, that's a cue that there's something that God wants to do through you if you'll invite them right now. And thirdly is this, if they say, I'm not doing well or was not prepared. In other words, this, this is people who say like, oh, we're, we're struggling with this. You know, or, or we didn't see this coming or you know, move to, move to a new school, move to, to Las Cruces to attend NMSU. And I thought I would find friends, but I haven't found friends. And I thought I would find community. I haven't found community. Or maybe we moved to a new town and things have not been going well. Like we realized that where we were was very good for us and here has not been so good for us. We're struggling. We're not doing well. We're not prepared. This is an, it can be an excellent invitation to show compassion to show compassion, to be a, pe a person of peace, to be a person who offers to pray for someone, but to also to help them find peace, strength, and joy through God that they will discover as a part of a local church. So here's the thing. We're going to invest and invite. We're going to invest and invite. I'm going to continuously challenge you throughout this year. Let's invest and invite. Let's invite, invest in people. Let's invest in relationships with people. Let's invest in creating incredibly great, excellent environments to invite people to. The days of surviving, it's gone. We're going to push for excellence. We're going to push for great. We're going to push for warm. We're going to push for friendly. We're going to push for creating the best environments for kids that are possible that exist in the city of Las Cruces. We're going to create great music. We're going to do incredible things. We're going to push for that. We're going to invest in those ways. And then we're going to invite people who will be attracted because of those environments, who will be attracted because people are warm and friendly, who will be attracted because of our generosity, our willingness to serve, and our love, who will be attracted to the Savior who we represent. If you want to know where we're going as a church in 2023, that is where we're going. As I look ahead, that's what and who we're going to be in 2023. A church that welcomes, a church that works hard to create a great place for new people, a church that joins arms with others to be light, to be the answer to Jesus' prayers for workers in, the, in today's harvest, and to live up to Jesus' final command in our day and in our world to go and make disciples. We don't have to go all over the world. We can do this right in our city, in our backyard, in our neighborhoods, in our work places because that's our mission field first. We're going to do this in Jesus' name by God's grace, and we believe by God's plan we're going to exist this year for the benefit of those who are not yet connected so that they can get connected to the God who loves them, 
to the God who knows them, the God who has a plan for them, and the God who wants them to know him and find purpose and fulfillment in him. Let's give it everything we've got. Let's decide that's the important work that we're doing and we cannot and will not come down and cannot and will not stop. Let's give it everything that we've got this year. Let's start right now as we pray to God for people to come to mind that we know we need to invest in and invest in a relationship and take the bold step of inviting and sharing the gospel and our church with them. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us and your grace for us. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our church. And God, I thank you that, that you have seen us through where we have been. And God, that you, as we look ahead, we see where you're taking us. So God, I pray that you would fill us with eyes that would see what you have for us right away. And the people that you would have us influence and the people that you would have us invest in right away. God, that you would bring someone to mind right now. God, that we would begin to influence and we would begin to invest in those things right now. And God, I pray that also you would fill us with a boldness that isn't just because of these words that I'm saying and this message that we're preaching right now, but boldness as a church to keep this going all year long. God, we don't want to be a church of, in, of, of, of influencing people and pointing people to you in January, and then we forget about it for the rest of the year until Chris brings it up again. We want to be a church, and I want us to be a church that reaches people all throughout the year. But God, help us to do it now. Help us to start right now. Help us to start 2023 off on the right foot, developing the right habits that lead people to experience and know you. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.